Hello and welcome to the Bristol to Beijing podcast. I'm Luke Grenfellshaw and I'm cycling from Bristol to Beijing on my tandem Chris. I left Bristol in January 2020 and it's fair to say it hasn't been straightforward so far. As I continue my expedition, I want to share the journey with you. And each episode, I'll be sharing my thoughts and experiences from the past week on the road. And occasionally, I'll also be chatting with someone who can shed some light on the country I'm in as I try and understand the world a little better. So, without further ado, what's happened this past week? So, Luke, how's the last week been? Um, Kate, it's been better than I expected. I was really going into it with quite some trepidation Mm. that it was going to be 500 kilometers through the desert. I just didn't know how I was going to get water. I didn't know where I'd stay, whether I'd be able to get food. Over that 500 kilometer stretch, there were three villages. So there was really very, very little. And I was not really looking forward to it. I thought it could be a really significant and quite unpleasant challenge, I suppose. Mm. And yet when we talked last week, you were saying that it was something that had to happen and it would look after itself. How did it end up being in the end? Well, I think it's one of the, it was one of the really pleasant surprises of the trip so far that actually I, I really got into the swing of things. I actually ended up enjoying it quite a lot. And for me, this is something I'm quite chuffed about on just a personal level, because when I was cycling through Ukraine, Mm. I got quite down and frustrated that the wind was just incredibly strong and unrelenting. And Mm. actually, for two or three days on this stretch, the wind was just as strong, but it was also happening in a, a furnace and there was very little around. Yeah, that sounds quite unpleasant. Yeah, well... It's interesting because it's a case of mind over matter, I suppose. Mm. And I just accepted that I was going to be cycling at 10 k's an hour and it was going to be hot. You know, that was going to be the situation. I just decided I was just going to cycle through it. I wasn't going to look at how fast I was going or uh, how much mileage I'd done. I was just going to cycle as much as I could that day. Mm. And Actually, that meant that I cycled a lot further than I would have done had I been like really working towards like 70 kilometers, which would have taken me seven hours because I sort of came up to 70 kilometers. And I was just like, you know, I, you know, I'd spent seven hours on the bike. But I was like, oh, you know, I can still do more. Mm. I'm not disappointed or frustrated that it's taken me such a long time to do this distance. Yeah. The first sort of 10K of that stretch, there basically was no road. It was just sand compacted sand essentially how does the bike cope with that I mean I know it's not got slick road bike tires but it's still not exactly a full mountain bike setup no it's not Chris coped remarkably well I bought a spare rim when I was in Actal because I've already had one rim break on me and Mm -hmm. I was really keen to make sure I could repair anything that happened during that long stretch but you know it was a bumpy road because basically the tarmac had just completely broken down in places Mm. the grip of the bike was actually fine it didn't really have a big impact I was constantly weaving trying to find the firmest and the smoothest path because there Mm. were lots of stony bits there were lots of chunks of 
asphalt, you know, the size of dinner plates, you know, and then yeah. there'd be a big gap between them. And so that was difficult to try and navigate around that. And then my arms got a pretty big workout. My wrists were aching. My, my arms were aching midway through each day. And you did say last week that what hurt the most at the end of the day was your shoulder. So can't imagine that would have been easy. Yeah, it was interesting. Certainly my shoulder was aching a bit, but then also my wrists were sort of aching quite a lot. And I was constantly just trying to change position and mm. cycle out of the saddle just to give give my body a bit of a break. Mm. So when you talk about cycling for seven hours, do you mean seven straight hours or did you stop for lunch? Did you stop for breaks? How does it actually work? What's a day on the bike like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, what I'm talking about there is seven moving hours. And in the mornings, I think I tried to sort of do hour and a half stints, something like that, and then have a short break. But as the day went on, I really just started listening to my body. And, you know, I try and like get to a, every 5k, so I'd get to sort of 75k and then stop or get to seven hours rather than you know, so you've got a little yeah. goal that you've stopping at round numbers to, yeah and you're not just stopping because you don't feel like cycling you know so you so there's a little bit of okay I'm just going to get to this point and then I'll give myself a break mm. but I I had lots of yeah lots of breaks every probably ended up being every 45 minutes to an hour I would mm-hmm. stop for some dried apricots I was having lots of coffee stops actually okay. I love my petrol burner stove and actually it was a bit of a revelation there was no shade at all so just leaned up against one of these kilometer marker posts and getting out the burner having a stop Mm. for half an hour having a cup of coffee and then just like an hour and a half would pass quite quickly without Mm. really trying and so I was like "Ooh, you know coffee makes a big difference for me (laughs) so how many cups of coffee do you reckon you're getting through in a day I mean, not actually that many, by my standards, at least like two or three. Okay, not too bad. Quite, quite reasonable. Quite restrained almost. We've had quite a few questions actually in about the sort of logistics and what it's been like for you cycling. Mm. So I'm going to just ask you them as quick fire questions. Claire Greenhill wants to know how many kilometres a day were you doing over the last week or so? So I... Probably averaged, most days I did about 100 or 110, uh, and one day I did 150 kilometers. So they're pretty long days. And this was quite interesting because most of the time when I ride, the the riding only forms like a relatively small chunk of the day, let's say between 10 and 4. Around that, I'm trying to do different things, whether that's writing the blog posts, whether that's organizing things to the way ahead, whether that's going for a run. But this last week, I was just focused on the cycling. That was literally all I did. Yeah. Um, And so that was one of the reasons why I was doing pretty big miles. Okay. David Windsor says, the sun looks strong. What factor sun cream are you wearing? And for those of you that can't see Luke right now, he has got quite a ridiculous tan. (laughs) Yeah, I've got got like panda eyes or the reverse of panda eyes. You've got got sort of Um, a skiing goggle look going on. Absolutely, I do. Bringing out my cheekbones, maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, wishful thinking. I do wear sunglasses the whole time because if I don't, I end up squinting horribly. Like for some reason, I really can't handle bright sunlight very well. So I do often wear sunglasses. But what about sun cream? Do you follow Baz Luhrmann's advice and always wear sun cream? I do not, Kate. Oh. Do, not. <laughs> do you not at all? Not even on your face? 
maybe people are going to be really surprised and um, say that I should probably know better, but I, I don't wear any sun cream. I justify it to myself that I've been building a tan since February, yeah. probably since like t- I was in Turkey. And so, yeah, the parts of my body are pretty well tanned already. And so I'm not really burning but it's still a lot of sun I suppose to the sun is still bad hit my body yes you need to get that factor 50 out and Julie Bancroft wants to know what are the best padded shorts to cope with so many miles on a bike so I was listening to a podcast recently actually by Helen Murray of the Inside Try show uh so Mm. shout out to her I love Helen great podcast it's a great podcast and I was listening actually for some sort of inspiration of my own to an episode with Someone called, I think, Fiona Kolbinger, I think her name is. And she won the transcontinental race in 2019. So that's like mm. 4,000 Ks over 10 days. That's what she did. And she won the overall, like beating both the men and yeah. all the women. And she was saying when she was experimenting with different cycle shorts, it was just about trying a variety and seeing what works for your body. So I think it is really important to probably just experiment. The ones that I'm using right now are Lacole. I've never had like a top of the range pair of cycling shorts before. I've always been kind of cheap and gone for the mid range, but uh, they kindly sent me a pair when I told them about the ride. And then I bought another set and I don't know what it is, but like, I don't really get saddle sores, which is kind of ridiculous. Which is also probably a massive advantage given how long you're spending on the bike, because it could get very uncomfortable otherwise. I think it would, wouldn't it? I, I mean, I've got a nice saddle, like I've got a Brooks saddle and I think that feels more like a seat than a saddle. So I think that probably helps. Mm. But I'm also wearing like mountain biking shorts and that introduces an extra layer of friction, but I've thus far got away with it. Okay. Um, so yeah, would recommend those shorts for sure, but I would also just try different brands yeah. and stuff. I think once you find what works for you, then you know what you're sticking with forever. Yeah, I think that's it. Anyway, back to the right. So what I want to know is, obviously, it's so hot. The sun is so bright. Are you still cycling through the whole daylight hours? Or did you go for the kind of very early morning before the sun rises, after the sun sets? Mm. Did you rest during the lunchtime, during the sort of peak of the midday sun? That's sort of what I was trying to do a little bit in Kazakhstan. I was resting for the peak hours between, say, one and four. However, in Uzbekistan, there was no shade like no shade at all mm. you know there, there were no trees there were mm. no like bus shelters there were no overhangs or you know there, there was literally just no no shade and I'm also pretty lazy when it comes to getting up early I feel that if I'm getting up at six that's early enough mm. And so I just decided I was going to cycle through the the heat of the day which meant I was drinking a lot of water and I had to listen to my body and just take a break and have a cup of coffee or tea from time to time just to sort mm. of chill out for a little bit. So if there was no shade, no villages, nothing around, were you camping every night? I kind of made some big distance. So I got through the section quite quickly, but I camped one night, which for me was actually really, really special. Mm. It was so quiet. It was amazing. Mm. I have really experienced that level of quietness or certainly like in the UK or just in a city 
just generally in life, you know, there's always just noise around. Mm. But when there's almost like a ringing in your ears because it's that quiet, it's it's really quite special. And what were the stars like with no light pollution? The stars were good. They didn't actually blow me away. I don't know if there was a bit of dust or mist in the sky, but mm. I I have seen better stars okay. um, in, in other places. They were still really good, but I think they weren't quite, quite sort of just brilliantly illuminating the sky there are lots of stars but okay. I don't want to sort of be a downer on this but <laughs> <laughs> they weren't. That, that's the star situation they're not the top stars you've ever seen and did you have many people passing you in lorries and cars and vehicles right so this I think really glad that you brought this up because I think this is one of the key key factors that changed it from being a horrible slog to actually really really nice in a lot of ways there were no cars but there are a lot of lorries this is a mm-hmm. freight route okay. um, and basically only freight is, is allowed on this route right now so many lorry drivers stopped particularly ones from Uzbekistan and Tajikistan and mm-hmm. there was a sense of community I almost felt because we're doing this like really tough road and they're going probably only at like 30 k's an hour so they're not going that fast and they would just stop or they'd be calling out their window you know where are you from where are you going how far are you going and then he's like oh just have some water here's some water and that must have been a big help it made a huge amount of difference that's a huge amount of difference one day i finished with the same amount of water that i started with wow that's nice yeah and it was just so spontaneous and as far as I could tell, like they, they wanted very little, they wanted nothing in, in return. It was like, you know, some people would literally stop, give me some water and just drive on. Okay. But just helping out, helping out a cyclist. I just feel sorry for you. Probably like, what is this idiot doing? But it was, it was really special actually to have that sort of sense of community and companionship going along that stretch um which actually now that i've left it now we're on good roads lorries are now going at 100 k's an hour and they're they're not going to be stopping even if they'd like to they'd already be past me so it was actually quite a special sort of support throughout that journey i think probably one of the last things i want to know is what was it like as you sort of started to approach nucus and leave the desert behind was it an abrupt change or a more gradual sort of, you suddenly realise that you've left that bit of road behind you? It was pretty abrupt, actually. I was going, coming like, I guess, off the plateau and going down a descent. And then all of a sudden it was just starting to be green either side. There were irrigation ditches, there were trees, there were plants. And all of a sudden it was, it was green and lush. Mm. And that's all coming from the Amudaria River, also known as the Oxus and the Panche, and vast amounts of water go into irrigating the farmland, particularly for cotton. Mm. And a lot of it has been used very inefficiently, which is one of the reasons why the Aral Sea has dried up. But that's really it. That's a whole podcast in itself, really. Yeah. But it was a very striking difference that, you know, within a kilometre, I went from being in the desert to being in farmland and it feeling... Feeling very much like a kind of lush summertime Maybe. in almost like in the UK, like a really hot summer's day in the UK. But mm. there were cows, um, there were, you know, there were lots of people around again. So all of a sudden I'd sort of left the desert behind and I was I was back in 
much kinder environmental circumstances. So that's what you're, you've got to cycle through over the next few weeks. That's what I've got until Kiva, which is sort of really where the Silk Roads begin in earnest. Um, it's meant to be beautiful. But then between Kiva and Bukhara, there's about 400 kilometres of desert again, which <laughs> I didn't really realise. But, <laughs> but you're well practised now. You know how to cope with it. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I've, I've learned. Taking a lot of water, I think. I was carrying like 13 litres of water or something as well. So Wow. Um, well, enjoy not having to carry that much water over the next week or two. And then um, we'll have a chat with you again in a week's time. Mm, I'm looking forward to it, Kate. Thank you. And that was this week's episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it. And thanks so much for listening. We put a lot of time into the podcast, so please do support us by subscribing, reviewing and rating. And please send in your questions that you have about any aspect of life on the road to Bristol to Beijing on social media. Until next week, goodbye. Yeah. 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 Yeah.